Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. You are listening to a Yisker sermon by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. In 1891, only 26 years after the Civil War ended, a Jewish society was formed in Seattle, Washington with the name Hevra Bikur Cholim. The organization, appropriately named, was concerned with caring for the sick and providing proper burial for the Jewish community. Within a decade, it would become a synagogue and Orthodox congregation. Beaker Cholim's synagogue was first located at 14th Avenue and Washington Street, and then finally landed at 104 17th Avenue until merging with another shul in the Seward Park area. It was the center for local Orthodox Jewry. On August 19th, 2023, I had the opportunity to stand in front of that still impressive building with my grandparents and my mom. This was the synagogue where my grandfather first experienced Judaism. This was the synagogue that his grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, Meyer Goodglick, helped found and build serving as one of its first presidents. So there we were, as three generations looking at the built evidence of five generations of Jewish community and leadership, whose history is embedded with my family's own. This trip to Seattle was an important one. My brother, a lawyer in the Navy, currently stationed outside of Seattle, brought us all together. But what made this trip so special is that my grandparents, Sandy and Bill, who we all call Mimi and Papa, were there with us in Seattle, their home where they were raised, met, went to college, married, and gave birth to their eldest, my mom. Shortly after, Sandy and Bill would move to Los Angeles, so while Seattle is a city rich with family stories that we have heard and seen pictures of, this trip was one to live the history and see the city through their eyes. When I reflect on the trip, it occurs to me that what was most poignant was the opportunity to walk the footsteps of a powerful relationship that would go on to create a family of multiple generations experiencing firsthand the sources of their character and nobility. I was living their legacy and writing my own. We learn from the Midrash on Shir Hashirim, when Israel stood to receive the Torah, the Holy Blessing One said to them, I am giving you my Torah, bring me good guarantors that you will guard it. First the people said, our patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are our guarantors. This was not acceptable. So next they said, our prophets are our guarantors. These two were unacceptable. But when the people pledged, our children are our guarantors. God accepted them immediately. For their sake, I give the Torah to you. Our Torah is God's ethical will, sharing stories, prescribing laws, embedding values within mundane existence, creating boundaries that make living kadosh, separate and holy. Some of you may know that of the 613 mitzvot, the 613th mitzvah, is to write our Torah. Though the rabbis intended us for, un, to, for us to understand this mitzvah as actually participating in the physical writing of our Torah, it's easy to interpret this as writing my Torah, my legacy. 
a memoir to share with generations to come, a diary that collects feelings and thoughts and dreams for the future to read about my past life. Like Torah, the five book of Mo- books of Moses, our Torah is living, current, and beyond boundaries of time. Writing and telling our own stories, sharing in the present tense the memories and values, customs and appetites of our earlier ages, they become current when shared with others. Legacy is not for leaving. Legacy is worth living. The Hebrew word for will is tzava'ah, which as you can hear is similar to the word mitzvah. Our will is connected to the way we feel commanded and rooted in Jewish action and practice. Torah tziva lanu Moshe morasha kehilat Yaakov. The Torah Moshe commanded us is a legacy, an inheritance for the community of Yaakov. Rashi comments that Torah is our bequest, our legacy willed upon us, and that we have taken hold of it and not forsaken it. Living our legacy, this ethical will of Torah, is not only our responsibility, but our privilege. Jacob brings all of his children to his bedside to make sure they both know what he experienced in life and also what he expects from them as they continue living and he dies. Genesis 49.33 says, And when Jacob made an end of charging his sons, of sharing with them his ethical will, he gathered up his feet into the bed and died, and was gathered unto his people. Jacob charges his sons with the legacy he lived, the legacy he now leaves behind for them to write their own way. They are both commanded to acquire this inheritance and also blessed with the mitzvah. Myriad examples of this exchange come to mind in the Torah and in our lives. But I would argue that the honorable obligations of attending to the legacies bequeathed us should not be left to future generations scrambling to find photos and preserve histories. Legacy is not for leaving. Legacy is for living. For it is important for our children and grandchildren and students and future generations to know who we are from our perspective. However, maybe even more important is to live our legacies with those people. To live our legacy by doing what we are doing right now, bring meaning to future memory, bring relevancy to foundational stories. Rabbi Elliot Dorf teaches that writing an ethical will leads people to share their history in the present. Rather than passing on a legacy, Invite your loved ones into your legacy. We stood outside my grandmother's childhood home on Shelby Street in Seattle. She could readily recall all the details that had changed from the exterior, but also reminisced about what had remained the same. The memories and those feelings, the stories from that place and that time on earth, informed the lives she and our family are living today. From meeting my papa as he descended the basement stairs, to being able to run out the back door of the house into the wide canal on a hot day, which is rare in Seattle, and having her babysitter, now my congregant at Temple Betham, Mimi Landry's, come over to babysit her. We stood three generations of family in front of this house, and we took a picture. Though no photo or memoir could hold the depth of that experience, 
It was not lost on us how lucky we are to be able to share those moments with our Mimi and Papa. We are living my grandparents' legacy and writing our own. From Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, we are supposed to take an accounting of our soul, figure out who we are, who we want to be, and what we must do to allow us to change and grow. This is a season of adding a page to our legacy, of our written ethical wills. By the time we get to Neila tonight, we are supposed to have encountered our life as one that we hope to continue, but could, could be over before next Yom Kippur or before tomorrow. Though that feels heavy and scary, if we don't encounter life as time that is fleeting, how carefully might we be curating the, life, the living legacy tour that we could offer our family. In fact, my mom has a practice of writing something each year in her machzor. She records the growth of different souls in her life and blessings for each of them moving forward. We are writing our ethical wills every day by living our legacy. Eight lehashliach avanim ve'eit kanos avanim. A time to throw stones and a time to collect stones. Literally, this line is expressing that we have times in our lives where we distance from something that is not serving us, and other times where we draw close to that which is helping us write our legacy. Could it also be that Ecclesiastes is teaching us the way in which we drop stones along our life's path? Like Hansel and Gretel, we create a path of pebbles that trace our legacy, the ethical will we are charting. The stones dropped help us understand the paths we've taken, the legacy lived, wondering, where could I have gone down a different path? Exploring old history, discovering ancient genealogy, uncovering old scars, etc. Those who come after us might choose to follow or collect some of our stones. One hot morning, we drove to the cemetery to visit my grandmother's parents and grandparents, it was a very small cemetery, and we followed the path to look to their graves right away. The first thing my papa said was, look, someone visited them recently because he saw a stone on their grave. The stones we leave behind are picked up and then one day brought back to us to show reverence and honor for the legacy lived to now help us write our own. My mom and dad stood holding one another as my mom reflected on her relationship with her grandparents. And my grandmother got teary-eyed, recognizing the poignancy of bringing her generations to visit those who came before her. Just as I had done at nine years old, I posed for a picture next to my great-great-grandmother, Rebecca, for whom I am named. However, this time, I felt a profound sense of pride, reflecting on how I am like her, how I carry myself in family relationships like she did, how I enjoy hosting like she did. How I love my grandma like she did. <clears throat> how I feel nostalgic for family custom and closeness like she did. Though I didn't know her, I felt connected to her in a reciprocal pride of sharing her name and legacy. Legacy is not for leaving. Legacy is worth living. We sat down to dinner that night, and I realized I needed to write down these ancestral names and stories. Hours later, I had notes on my grandfather's family, my grandmother's family, and my dad's parents' family, even though they weren't even on this trip. I felt I needed to soak up every ounce of information to understand my own legacy. 
The Ethical Wills Project created by the Center for Pastoral Education at JTS was created to reintroduce this authentic Jewish practice that helps to articulate values, explore issues of legacy, and navigate liminal moments in our lives. The essential questions to ask, to ask are, what values do I live by? How do these values guide my important decisions? And what do I wish to leave behind? However, I would change this last question to, what do I wish to experience with those who are part of my legacy and who are influenced by mine to be living their own? The show This Is Us is a celebrated television masterpiece of growing a family through values, hardship, grief, love, and ultimately mundane life. This is going to be a spoiler alert. Rebecca, the mom, lost her husband Jack years ago, and her triplets, one of them adopted at birth, are now grown children surrounding her deathbed in the last five minutes of this show. One breaks the silence by saying, I want to say the perfect thing to you, Mom, but I'm not sure what that is. But I love you, Mom. We're good now. You made us, me and my siblings, good. So thanks for all the meals, and thank you for always making us feel loved. And in the magic way of film, we are taken to a younger version of Rebecca's self, and she is speaking to his birth father, who has since passed away. She says, listening to her children, this is quite sad, the end. He says, oh, I don't know if something makes you sad when it ends. It must have been pretty wonderful when it was happening. He continues, I've always felt it a bit lazy to think of the world as sad because, well, so much of it is. Because everything ends, everything dies. But if you take a step back, if you step back and you look at the whole picture, if you're brave enough to allow yourself a really wide perspective, if you do that, you will see that the end is not sad, Rebecca. It's just the start of the next incredibly beautiful thing. The show pans to Rebecca's grandson, receiving an award for finding a medical cure to the exact disease that she is dying of. We pan back to Rebecca's deathbed, her children surrounding her, and then back to her younger self when she lays down in her bed next to, her, to their dad, her deceased husband, and she says, hey, the very words that started their whole beautiful story. Living legacy is living right now with others who are writing their own legacy with yours as their guide and inspiration. What is the legacy we wish to leave? But in addition to passing it down, make sure you live through it. Pass through cities and scrapbooks, customs, together and often. Not just in final moments and after someone is gone. Our lives are too complex, too interesting, to full, too full of intricate details that our grandchildren or our students or our friends, they want to know. They want to keep, to keep it all to ourselves and wait until the end to try and remember to tell them. On a walk, my dad and our family friend Bruce were discussing the state of our world. My dad said, look at this world we're leaving for our kids. And Bruce said, no. Instead, look at our wonderful kids that we are leaving to this world. We stood outside the old Bicker Holing building and my body buzzed with a visceral curiosity. My great-great-grandfather, Meyer Goodglick, built a synagogue that is now a theater the Langston Hughes Performing Arts Center, in which people celebrate the dignity of their community and the richness of their culture. 
He built a community that was named for the holy work they set themselves to do. Living legacy, caring for those in life and in death, from sickness to cottage, so to speak. Standing outside this building, I knew I had to see inside. What did my grandfather's grandfather's shul look like? Wouldn't he be proud to have created a legacy that meant his great-great-granddaughter was now a rabbi? This synagogue-turned-Langston-Hughes Performing Arts Center was named in 1971, intending to house the city's first African-American theater and became the location for Seattle's hip-hop scene. I saw a young man walking into the theater and asked if we could see inside. He said, I'm so sorry. Our youth are in rehearsal right now for a show we're putting up tomorrow, but you can come to the show. Slightly frustrated by this reality, I asked for anything, like a brochure or something that could give me a sense of what the space looked and felt like. One more try, I shared, my great-great-grandfather helped build this building when it was a synagogue, and this is my grandfather who used to come here as a child. I think he could see the curiosity in my eyes and was probably a bit annoyed and decided to let us in. We went up the elevator, and as we exited, I could not help but say, Papa, is this what it all looked like? And then I touched the walls. I was so excited to be alive in his history, feeling the weight and the love and the awe of being gifted this moment of living legacy. We walked into the theater, whose former bima was now filled with community performers in rehearsal. My great-great-grandfather would have never imagined this moment or what this place could be. But this is why we live legacy. He built a community resource, and in 2023, his grandson, the proud grandfather of his great-great-granddaughter, the rabbi, who helped build her community, Bikar Cholim, and the Hever Kadisha Temple Betham, came to visit because we are living out our own legacies in his memory. We thanked him profoundly, and he thanked us back for adding meaning, history, and legacy to his home. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the Chornoli Vracha, introduces the Koran Yisker book by saying, Judaism gave two majestic ideas their greatest religious expression, memory and hope. Memory is our living connection to those who came before us. Hope is what we hand on to the generations yet to come. In a moment... During our Yisker service, we will each have time to tap into our memory and connect to someone whose legacy shapes us every day, whose values of living life have allowed us to lead our lives in better, more fulfilling and inspiring ways. Each person you are remembering today lived their legacy in hope that you would have a meaningful life. So it is now up to us to recognize how that memory allows us to live their legacy as hope for ours. My great-great-grandmother, Rose, Gigi, we called her, died a bit over a decade ago. I remember my uncle beginning his eulogy for her with, I've been writing my grandmother's eulogy for as long as I can remember. Acknowledging their beautiful and special relationship and the myriad of memories that no eulogy could possibly capture, he concluded the speech with this. As I sat down to gather my thoughts, I had the striking realization the singular understanding that, in fact, I had been wrong all along. I have not been writing my grandma's eulogy for all these years, after all, but rather, 
with love and devotion, dedication and honesty, optimism and singular purpose, she had, in fact, been helping me to write mine. We are each writing our own legacy, our own eulogies. How will we be remembered? So for each grandparent, parent, teacher, mentor, best friend, sibling in this tent, you are living your legacy with others who are writing theirs. Legacy is not for passing down. Legacy is worth living. Rabbi Nachman of Bretzlav wrote this prayer. Dear God, teach me to embody those ideals I would want my children to learn from me. Let me communicate with my children wisely in ways that will draw their hearts to kindness, to decency, and to true wisdom. Dear God, let me pass on to my children only the good. Let them find in me the values and the behavior I hope to see in them. So to my dear grandparents, Thank you for living your legacy with us, your stories, your dreams, your values, your life. Your living legacy is helping me write mine. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.